What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my three great co-hosts, Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, you know, we're starting to get towards the end of the month. I can't believe it. The year's almost over. It's flown by so fast. And we have a lot to talk about, as we do at every episode. I mean, certainly we can talk about what's been going on in the league and how there might be a race going on. I don't know. It's still getting tied for that Clausura title. What's been going on with Irita in the Suamericana? We had all the high hopes on them, and they couldn't be able to achieve it. And of course, because we are reaching the end of the month and heading into the new month, that means the World Cup qualifiers are back as Paraguay have three important games for their road to Qatar 2022. Eduardo Berizzo has made his calls up list. There have also been some controversy happening with some twins that we are definitely known about that has been making some of the, the rumblings over here in, in Paraguay and on social media. So we could definitely talk about that. But I'm excited. I'm super excited to get this ball rolling. Let's go all the way to the mother country, to Fede Perez. How are you, man? I'm good, Roberto. Hi to you. Hi to Maria, Ralph. Hi to the crew. Hi to everybody, like always listening to What a New Vision. We are back for another week of Paraguayan football. It's September still. Uh, yeah, we're on those last days. It's almost October, but it kind of feels like it's already the end of the year because uh, most of the tournaments are coming to an end over here, especially the lower leagues. I was listening to Ralph on the last episode. He was talking about what was going on on the fourth division, which already has their, which already has a champion, uh, General Caballero from Ceballos Square, the, the neighborhood was already crowned a couple of weeks before that the tournament was over. Uh, actually today being Tuesday, the, the last games were played and Silvio Petirosi, also a team that was back in the days in the first flight in the top division uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, uh, this team is also going to go and play in the third division. So uh, most of the, the lower divisions are coming to an end before the summer hits over here because it's kind of hard to play during the day when you have really hot temperatures. So most of these uh, tournaments end up now in, in between September, October, even the second division, which already has their team, uh, their champion, uh, obviously General Caballero from Juan Leon Mallorquin, who, who actually blew it away from the first uh, games to the last uh, ones. I mean, this team uh, made it big, not only to the first division, but also to the Sudamericana, which was the big uh, prize for this uh, second division team that was crowned champion. That happened just a couple of hours ago. So uh, a lot of things are going on in the Paraguayan football, not only on the first division, but also on the lower leagues. Just wanted to throw this out there uh, on the introduction. We're obviously going to talk about the national team. We're going to have Sudamericana talk, and we have so many topics ahead of us. So it's great to be with everybody, like always, Roberto. It is always good to be great. I think it's also great to be a Arsenal fan uh, that obviously is apparently red over the weekend. And I, there's a little joke that I like to say to Ralph here that, you know, ever since I started working for NBC Sports, which was only three weeks ago, Arsenal have won every single game. So by that logic, Ralph, um, I'm usually there every weekend. So I think it's time to say maybe to celebrate the Premier League title. You know, why not? This is surely not a coincidence. That's it, Roberto. Don't. Don't do anything bad at work. Keep the job. Keep working hard at an Arsenal. Keep winning. There seems to be some kind of some kind of a cavala, as they say in in Spanish, right? That you're some good luck charm. So keep that going. Um, hi everybody. Good to be here. Yeah, lots to talk about. Fede kind of put the pun in there of Silvio Petirossi being going in the next flight because Silvio Petirossi, of course, 
was a famous aviator in Paraguay. Actually, not just the club is named after him, but also the, the main international airport there in Asuncion Luque. So there you go. Nice, nice pun there. And another really important game that we had, uh, I think it was yesterday. Yep, as we record, was in the women's football between uh, Sol de America and Capieta because they had to decide who was officially the vice the vice champion. Uh, Cerro obviously won both leagues, so Cerro uh, were the absolute champion. They needed that. Why? Because that determined where they go in the seeding in the Copa Libertadores. Both teams were already qualified. It was just a case of who becomes Paraguay 2 and who becomes Paraguay 3. And in the end, Sol de America won after a penalty shootout. So they're, they're Paraguay 2, Capieta Paraguay 3, obviously Cerro are number one. And that tournament's going to be played in Asuncion, the the women's Libertadores is not played like the men's. It's not played, you know, home and away across the whole continent. This is all in one location. I'd be like it was a, a World Cup or something. So it's going to be in Asuncion in November, I think, if I, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. That's an amazing stuff. And obviously, congrats to Cerro Porteño for winning the league title over there in women's football. And, you know, heading into Maria on this one, I mean, I think, um, you know, I was focusing on the Champions League today. Obviously, a big shock at the time of recording of FC Sheriff, a team from Moldova, defeating Real Madrid at the Santo Alo Bernabeu. But I was kind of focused on what's been going on at PSG Manchester City, where a certain Argentine scored his first goal for his new club. And now I'm thinking to myself, oh, no. No, what is this guy going to do next week? Because next week he is going to our motherland as we head into World Cup qualifying, which I'm sure everyone is excited about anyway. Well, uh, a certain someone in this uh, podcast is going to be visiting uh, and watching the game in person. So looking at you, Fede, I'm very jealous. <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be such an amazing time to watch, um, not just Paraguay, but the great of all time, Messi, you know, uh, he had an amazing goal today and uh, finally his first one for, for PSG. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm sort of a Messi fan, a Messi fan, excuse me. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great to see that. And, and hopefully, you know, um, he doesn't do that to Paraguay uh, <laughs> next week, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I see that Paraguay is um, already warming up to the next qualifiers, and I'm looking forward to seeing better results this time. And, you know, uh, we finally have our main guy, Migi Almiron, back. Um, that's exciting as well, and hopefully he does, um, he does very good in the, in the field and in the pitch, and gives us something to hope for in the next uh, qualifiers. Well, definitely. I, I could say the same thing about Messi, but I hope then I wish for all of my heart that he does lose badly next week in Asuncion. So no, no hard feeling, Leo, if you're listening to this, but you know, gotta, gotta support the motherland. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's getting exciting. And here we'll shift into our first segment as we talk about the call-ups that the Eduardo Verizo has made for these three games. Um, obviously as per custom, he likes to make the call-ups of the players that are playing abroad and looking at the players that we had kind of mentioned before, Maria, you had mentioned, yes, Miguel Almiron is back. We believe that this is because of what had been going on last month with all the controversy of the players not being able to go 
to South America or even across the world for during these qualifiers because of restrictions. They, my guess is that the Premier League and all these other leagues have found solutions so that they're able to go to these games. But looking at the squad, and Faye, I want to go to you on this one. We see some of the usual names, as always. Some of the names that we don't want to see there are, are some ones that, you know, is, is kind of surprising. I mean, the likes of Hernan Perez and Gaston Jimenez, who, you know, have been so critical over the last couple games that Paraguay have played, they're still in this squad. But we do see the return of two players that, one, I did not expect to go so soon because of some little controversy that had happened to him back in June before the Copa America. And that's Juan Escobar of Cruz Azul, who had left the squad actually before the Copa America due to personal reasons that to this day we don't know. But my guess is that uh, Verizo has been able to solve that. And Blas Riveros, who is actually coming back from an ACL injury that left him out of action for, for quite some time, I think just the other day or so. It was his first game back, and now he's back in the squad for these crucial games. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of form um, he's in for these very, very big games. But, you know, I think for all intents and purposes, it's something that we've talked about over the last couple months, you know, during Copa America, during World Cup qualifiers, that Bedizo has stuck with the players that he trusts and for some reason, or at least for his sake, it's, it's the one that he believes in that are going to help them take uh, Paraguay to the World Cup. Yeah, obviously, I, I was just listening to you and uh, we, uh, anybody that, that has listened to our podcast before, you, you know, they, they know which players haven't uh, come up to the, to the challenge yet. And you mentioned some of them. Uh, but yeah, they, they're still in the squad, but he so calls them up. But he so thinks that they're very important for the process to, to try to get to the World Cup. And then you have a couple of returns. I mean, uh, I think Juan Escobar is very important. He can give us a hand, not only just playing as a center back, but he can also play uh, as a right back. And right now we have uh, our starting right back injured, uh, Alberto Espinola. He hasn't come back yet to play in Cerro Porteño. His club, he got injured against Ecuador. Uh, so so he, so he's not ready yet. So you kind of need to, to look for players around, around him and Rojas, uh, Rojas didn't have uh, the best three games and you kind of need a sub for him. You, you need a player that can play in that spot. Even though uh, Juan Escobar at the beginning of his career was a center back, he has played in Cruz Azul in the Mexican game uh, as a right back. So I think he he's a very good option to take that spot and to leave this controversy behind, right? You, you talked about the fact that he, he kind of said that he didn't want to be in the national team. It, it was never really cleared up. So it would be really nice also this time that he's coming to the national team to talk to the media, uh, to tell everybody what actually really happened between him and the coach. What was the reason? It would be really interesting to hear it from the player also just to clear it up. Like, like the, the situation you also mentioned with the Romero twins, what happened there? Did they actually want to go and practice, use the gym? In, in Ipané, the, the training ground that the, that the national team has, uh, and, and they weren't allowed to do it, uh, they weren't allowed to do so. What actually happened over there? You know, there was a kind of an ex, in, uh, incident uh, a couple of days ago that, that also wasn't cleared up. So these are kind of things that are going around. There are a couple of rumors that are, that are being said. Uh, hopefully both of these players will be on the squad because they don't have a team right now. So they weren't called up in this first list 
because these these are players that play abroad. These are not the players that play on the local league, and they don't have a club right now. So they will probably uh, they will probably be called up on the last list on the on the on the final list that we'll see in a couple of days. Uh, I don't see Brian Ojeda here. Uh, I think he's playing his first games also in 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 England. So he, he's probably just getting used to his whole new life over there. Andres Cubas isn't uh, on this call-up list either. And Robert B. Damota, which I think of, uh, I, I don't think any of these uh, three three names are very important to, to the way that we're playing lately. These are neither of these three names are on the starting team lately. Uh, but I do think uh, that Miguel Almiron coming back is very important. Uh, I, I kind of missed him uh, on the last games. And but but the return that really hits me the most is Carlos Gonzalez, the, because. We, we need a striker and, uh, and what I love what I saw from him in Copa America. And uh, I think the, the number nine, the center forward is still uh, up for grabs, you know, for anybody. And Carlos Gonzalez has been one of the best forwards that we've seen uh, during, during Barisos era. So uh, I'm hoping that Carlos Gonzalez can come back in this team and really be the guy that, that gives us this, the goals against really tough teams that we have to go up against. You were talking about Messi uh, coming to Paraguay. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be a revolution. You know, everybody wants to see Messi. Everybody wants to be around Messi, especially everything that's been going on lately with him going, going to, to going to, going to Paris and, and making it to the, to the, to the French capital and, and playing already, scoring his first goal. So, and, and it could be the last time we see him over here in Paraguay also, because you don't know that maybe this is going to be the last time that, that fans are going to have the opportunity to see him here in action, playing in Defensores and Chaco. I, I've had the opportunity to do it before, see him lose against Paraguay when Tata Martino was our coach. Then I saw him winning. Well, uh, a couple of times also uh, I've seen the best and the worst from Lionel Messi uh, here playing against us and and I've also seen the, the nicest side of him the, the human side uh, after a, a game taking a picture with him you know that humble side that, that he also has and I, I hope that that people can actually enjoy one of the best uh, football players in history that's going to probably be here for the last time and hopefully he'll leave, he'll probably leave Paraguay very sad on his uh, private jet because we're probably going to beat, beat his team. Hopefully we do that. We need a big win, don't we? Uh, and it would be beautiful to beat the last uh, champion of uh, America. That's what Argentina is right now. They, they won the last Copa America and they are one of the best teams in South America. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult team to to take on. Just quickly, when I look down the squad list of Argentina, like, okay, I know the difficulties that Messi is going to cause us, but a player that has always given Paraguay trouble in recent games is Angel Di Maria. He's always played very well in the matches against Paraguay, and he is also on that list. So that's another player to, to watch out for. Um, I think... Taking Fede's point about some of the people that are missing from the squad and then who's come back with Almiron and Gonzalez, Riveros, Escobar, I feel this is a stronger squad than last time around. You know, the players you're missing, to Fede's point, are not huge losses and the ones that are coming in are going to really make a difference. 
We also have, I think, a positive from somebody like uh, Alderete, who's had a good start at Valencia. He's playing well. Uh, that should give a bit of, what's the word, confidence, I suppose, going into this match. When you're playing in a top league in Europe and you're having good games, then you won't feel as overwhelmed against this kind of, this kind of opposition. One player that is struggling who, who a bit. Who are you going to take out of there, Ralph? You're going to take Gomez. You're going to take Junior Alonso. They're playing semifinals of the Libertadores again for another year. Who are you going to take out of the team? No, you can, I would. I would have Alderete in there ahead of Alonso. Really, I think Alderete has been has been very strong. Gomez is Gomez. Yeah, we'll we'll keep him in. Um, but the other the the position that's interesting is is someone like who's struggling a bit in Spain is Asamendia because Asamendia they're starting to play him left midfield, which is something Berisso has liked to do here. He's tried to play the Martinez and and Arsamendia. and that makes me think this Blas Rivero's call up is very interesting because maybe Berisso didn't like what he saw either with that kind of combo, and he's looking for a player that really has pace and can really attack, and that's Blas Rivero's. He hasn't even played a full game. I think the game you're talking about, Roberto, as I understood, is a reserve game. It's not even like a first-team game. So he's coming back totally cold. Uh, let's see. Let's see where he throws him in. I, I doubt he would be thrown in against Argentina. I'm, I'm imagining him against Chile in a, in a like a slower defense, an aging team, and some of that pace could be could be something they want to use, or maybe even at altitude in. Uh, in Bolivia. He probably won't throw him in against Argentina because we've seen how Berisa likes to set up for those games. In that game, you could even see Alderete or, or Alonso at left back because he's tried to do that, right? If have almost four central defenders in the team. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm confident it's, it, that it's a stronger squad than, than what we saw last time. Also, another quick mention, Brian Samudio is playing very well. So that's a nice player to have in there as an option. Uh, because you you do have these issues with the Romero twins that whether they play or not, Ankel Romero has been the best player by far, but now he's totally out of shape because he wouldn't have played a single football match for, I don't know, probably since the last time, right? Since the last Paraguay game, I think was the last time he played. So you have to wonder how do they adapt into the game? Will they just hit the ground running or, or will they need, you know, some minutes maybe to warm up? So do they have to be a sub in the first game to then start the second game? There's a few things for Berisa to juggle there. Uh, well, you guys, I think um, we're being a little bit, um, I guess we don't have a little bit of faith in this team team, but I think, um, I feel like Paraguay always plays very well against the big teams, um, against Argentina. Um, I believe in the in the Copa Liber uh, Copa America they 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 didn't do so well. But other than that, in the qualifiers, they tend to do pretty well against Argentina. I guess because they um, prepare more or less better than than they prepare in other games. So I I have the faith that they'll do great in this um, this time around. Uh, we have Migi back. I, I believe in him, and I, I think that he was definitely missed past uh, round, and he was one of the keys. He is one of the keys to um, to our team nowadays. Uh, he's a young uh, striker, and and he's like a like a leader as well, and, and another leader in the team, which is also needed. Um, Gustavo Gomez wasn't around in one of the games, and he's back, and. So he, you know, those key figures are, are one of the, the things that they need 
to continue and to put a strong uh, performance against uh, this strong team like Argentina. And they know them so well. They played them so many times already that I think that they're confident in, in, in going into this next game. I wanted to ask you guys, because I don't know if you saw Jesus Medina's tweet uh, right after the, the list came out. I mean, that's that, that was kind of weird for me because we haven't had that kind of reaction from a player on social media straight out like that. I think Jesus Medina has done a great uh, season. These last couple of seasons have been great for, for him on the MLS. You guys follow him way more than I can because you guys are over there. So maybe you can tell me. Uh, his expectation was he actually waiting for a call. I, I, I think that the national team has been uh, going around his head and just the call has never come up. Uh, I think he's a little frustrated up, up, to, the, up to this point. Uh, I, I think that tweet just says it all, right? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, Fed. I, I've never seen a, a player, at least from this kind of standpoint, go out and react in a way that Jesus Medina has. And yeah, I could say this, and I think we could all say this to those that have been following him here in MLS, that he's done well. He's done well for a team that's, you know, in the in the playoff spot in, in the Eastern Conference of the MLS, comparable to not what Gaston Jimenez is, actually. I think I saw a tweet saying that Chicago Fire are way below the the standings of the, of the playoffs, and they're not even in consideration at the moment. So it is a bit weird, but also you look at some of the things, uh, Fed, and I want to go to you on this one, and of course anyone else can, can talk. It's like, if he's in, who do you take out? Because there's so many players that play in his position. You know, we mentioned, I mean, they're not going to take him out. You probably would think of someone like Hernan Perez, who, you know, I think is still, understandably, I don't know why he's on the squad, but that's for a different story. But, you know, you have so many players that are playing in that position. Kaku Romero as well, you know, someone that can play in the middle and someone can also play on wing. So, it's not just the the issue of Jesus Medina just being good and then doing so well in MLS. It's just that there's so many players that I think Veriso has definitely used that definitely has, you know, feel confident about. Like he, he doesn't want to change the squad. And I think that's kind of what that that kind of idea is. I, I don't think he wants to change it so soon, even though if you want players to come in, that's what I think. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree but it's just I think, so many I think nobody was gonna nobody was gonna get mad if you were gonna put Jesus Medina in for Hernan Perez or Gaston no Tijan. absolutely not nobody yeah, was absolutely. gonna get mad I think he, he deserves a chance and it's, yeah. it's a shame that we can't see what he can bring to the team in this very good moment that he's going through in the MLS I mean that's that's the shame that, that I see it like 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 I said it on those three games that we played it was a shame not to see the best Paraguayan player or the best player from the local league in those three games, which was Jose Florentin. He barely played in those three games. You know, those are the kind of players that you want to see, the, the ones that are going through a very good moment for, and and take that 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 streak, take that moment, those goals that you're scoring on your club, also to the national team. And you're, I'm not seeing that from Berizzo lately. He, he's kind of picking his players and he's not going uh, out of his way, Rob. Yeah, he's not ready to to take a risk at this stage where everything's been so much in the balance based on the results and the pressure on him. I think, I don't think he's, I think maybe Jesus Medina sees himself in there instead of Gaston Jimenez, but I don't think Berizzo sees Medina as he sees Jimenez in terms of positioning. Where he sees Medina would be more, I would imagine, an Oscar Romero, an Almiron, a Kaku. And of those three, 
Oscar Romero is maybe the weakest link of those three because Almiron is Almiron. Kaku has played really well every time he he plays for Paraguay. So I don't think those two would be would be a risk. So as whether he went in for Medina, a player that's on really good form, like we're talking about, is playing week in, week out for an Oscar Romero who is usually a bit part player. He starts some games. He doesn't start all the games for Paraguay and he's also not playing. So it's that idea of, hey, I'm, I'm playing, I'm fit. And, you know, you have another player who's cold and who's out in the cold in terms of being dropped by his club. It's a similar debate, just quickly, to that thing about penalty takers, right? Should, should you bring on somebody to take on a penalty when they're cold, uh, like they did with Mark Noble the other day? Or should it be somebody who's already played? It's a similar thing with this squad, right? Should we use players that are, that are on form or players that we've used before that we know what they can do and we're more kind of certain of what they can do in the international setting, regardless of, of their club performance at the moment. Yeah, and, and that's the real main concern. And I think now in such a crucial stage where, you know, it's they need to get these three points. I, I think they need to go and, and, and come from these three games with at least five or six points, at, at least something to be in consideration because, you know, you can't, you, I mean, obviously you should never have to, to go into a game where you're, you, you don't want to lose. But, you know, I think now at the halfway stage, it's like every single game is important. doesn't matter where you play. The fact that you can get as many points as you can is important because that's what's going to take you to the World Cup or not. And I think that Ezel wants that from the players that he's already used for so long that he doesn't want to change it. And as much as maybe fans who obviously are very, very critical of Ediso and, and, you know, rightly so, I think um, they, they just need to see what comes from this squad. And that if Ediso has that confidence in the players, and we've spoken about this already, then it's, it's all up to him, really. And he'll take the blame if, if, if all goes wrong anyway. anyway. Right, Maria? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to add to that. Um, you know, if you have... Um, why not why not test it out you know if you have medina and you have that that's that that's not been called up um at least give him the chance you know you you call so many other players and you don't give him a chance test it out you know that's what they're for um it's it's really not that's not hard to do i don't know what beriso is thinking about but you know you have all these players that, that you're calling up but you're only using your certain amount of, of, of players at some point they're going to be tired they're gonna you know injuries happen and then you don't know what to do because you're never testing that testing the the other players no that's the thing too it's like but even then like at this crucial stage it's, it's almost as if you can't really test it out i mean you yes i understand what you're saying i think it's perfectly fine for that to do it but at this stage he's like i'm, I'm thinking and assuming that he's trying to maintain his stubborn approach and really go for the players that he knows can go and win these games because i think that's ultimately the main the main goal in all of this but we'll definitely talk about this obviously next week when we talk of our world cup qualifiers obviously we'll be talking to some of the experts from the countries that we'll be facing on so stay tuned to that as we move into our second section of the day and talk about what's been going on to another paraguayan squad who went to brazil and did not find their feet it was libertad who went all the way to braganza paulista in brazil in the state of sao paulo to take on red bull bragmantino and they fell right flat on their face, losing 2-0 on the day. Um, and, you know, Ralph, I'll go to you on this one. I particularly felt a bit disappointed. I thought that Lirik thought 
you know, had a bit more in them to get the result. They almost went 3-0 down, actually, had it not been for a VAR intervention. But now going back to the defensive, which technically is not a result that they should feel down upon because, you know, two nils are always reversible in any stage of, of a tournament, in a cup, especially in a cup tournament. But the way that they played the other day, I'm thinking to myself, I do not see them coming back against them, especially at home. That's right. It's not just it's not just the way they played. It's the way Bragantino played after going to tune it up. If you check the stats, that first half or really the first 50 minutes of the game, Bragantino dominated possession. They had about 65 percent possession. And in a way, Libertad were OK with that at the beginning because, you know, they have players like Tito Villalba and they put Espinosa on the left. You know, they were hoping maybe to do some some counterattacking. But what you saw is after the second goal, which is the penalty by Artur, and Artur was a brilliant player for, for Bragantino. He dominated that game. They just said, okay, it's, it's your turn now. You guys try and attack us, and we'll just wait. We'll wait for some mistakes in transition, and we'll try and pick up, pick you off and score a third goal. And, and they did get the third goal, but it was it was ruled out for VAR. But really, at, at no point could Libertad do anything you know they they gifted them possession pretty much for the second half you know Bragantino to Libertad and Libertad had no answers uh Garnero it is really hard with Garnero because sometimes you criticize him because he has this embarrassment of riches which is this amazing Libertad side because he decided to go with Sebastian Ferreira on his own up front and you think okay maybe he should have gone in then with Taquara and Enciso and played both of them uh, you know, playing two up front because it seems that didn't work. Or when Vialba comes off in the first half, he brings on Ivan Franco. And Ivan Franco changes the whole dynamic of your attack because Ivan Franco is not this really fast counter-attacking player. He's like a, a more traditional 10 who wants to get the ball, work the ball inside and, and try and create associations with other players, but then you're only playing one up front who is Sebastian Ferreira, so how's that going to work? And so sometimes with Gardnero, you're kind of like, why did you, you know, I don't see why you did this. But also I think he's, it's hard because I can look at his bench and say, hey, you should have put on Bogarin, you could have put on Enciso, you could have put on Cardoso, and it's because he has so many good players. You always feel if you do something and it doesn't work, he could have done something else that would have worked. So um, it's a really difficult game. I, I can't see how they come back into this based on that, that last 40 minutes or so where Bragantino said, this is fine. We're, you know, we're content with 2-0 and, and we don't think you can score. And, and that was the case. It was a 2-0 on, on the first game. It could have been a 3-0 because it was a, a, a late goal that, that didn't go up uh, on the scoreboard. But... I mean, right now, Libertad is probably going through their worst moment of the year. Uh, I mean, they don't look good uh, in the local league, and they didn't look good at all against Bragantino, where you thought that you were going to see a team motivated. You thought that you were going to see the best from Libertad. You thought that they were actually kind of holding back on the local league, and their head was totally on Bragantino. And it wasn't really like that. I mean, just I was looking at the stats, like Ralph was saying, and eight shots, but just one on goal. I mean, that's not what you want to see from a team that is apparently full of stars, full of really good players, and you kind of want to see them step it up uh, on a semifinals, especially because uh, it is their biggest game 
in years. I mean, uh, Libertad hasn't been in a very important stage or or a late stage like this in in an international stage for years now. Uh, and and this is a once in a lifetime maybe for them and how things kind of worked out first being in Libertadores now in the Sudamericana. I mean, this is a shot you have to take, you have to go all in or, or nothing. And to see Garnero play the first game with just one forward, like Ralph was saying, and that midfield not working and the players that you actually brought for the second semester, not, not being your leaders, not being the players that are making the difference. Uh, I, I think that, that, that talks really bad about the planning itself, right? About, about coming to this moment, coming to this very important match and not being at your top level not being at the top of, of your game uh, that doesn't speak very well of, of Garnero and and his crew uh, Libertad showed the best uh, uh, their best game during the apertura during the first half of the year and they just haven't evolved into a better team uh, unfortunately and right now the best player in Libertad is Hugo Martinez and this is a player that has come from from the base I mean this is a player that has come from the youth leagues. Um, and this is not one of your stars that, that you brought from the outside. I mean, they brought a, a player from the Chilean national team and he's barely played just to mention one, just to mention Diaz in, in the midfield. I mean, he played the first Americana game and then we never saw him again. Uh, maybe you're not hiring correctly and you're not getting the best out of some players. I have not liked what I've seen from Mayala in these last couple of games. Villalba, who was being uh, very important for this team, uh, unfortunately uh, left the game injured against Bragantino uh, on Brazil. So we'll see if he's fit for this second game. Uh, and then you have the the, the, the player uh, selection that, that Garnero is going to have to make for this last game. Uh, hopefully see the most offensive team that he can put uh, in there and hopefully the players step it up because uh, Libertad has a huge budget and they can definitely beat Bragantino but maybe they just need to take the Red Bull out before the game and fly a little bit more because this team is not up to the Red Bull Bragantino level right now. They definitely need some wings and they need to be cruising as best as they can for the entire 90 minutes and, and get those goals. But before we close it out, guys, I just want to get my your quick predictions. I don't see Libertad qualifying. Unfortunately, I think their dream of the Suomeni kind of ends here. What do you guys think? Um, you guys want to go in order or don't don't go don't go so quickly, but I just want ladies your thoughts. Ladies first, ladies first. Let there me you go, go, Maria. Maria, do you see Libertad with any chance? Well, I think I I mirror your your opinion there, Roberto and and Fede. You know, Libertad is just um, there's so much that not just Libertad needs to do, um, but the entire uh, division in Paraguay uh, in order to compete internationally and actually make it far enough uh, either to the finals or to actually win the competition. You know, Liber the the Libertadores is is just one of the is right under it. So Libertad, I think, um, have come very close. And I think that they can definitely do it if um, in the next couple of years. Um, but they need more work. And there's that's definitely something that we're probably going to have to have an entire episode to talk about, uh, see what they can do better. But yeah, I unfortunately, although they'll be home, um, I don't think that they'll be able to qualify as well. So hopefully next year. Yeah, I think Bragantino have uh, usually a pretty 
poor defense. You know, if you look at their defensive record, it's not very good. So assuming Libertad are going to go for it because they have to, you could see Libertad scoring. But what we've seen is with Bragantino, most of those away legs in the Sudamericana, I think they've always managed to score. So that means what they need to score four goals, Libertad. Wow. I can't see that happening. So Unfortunately, I think it ends another semi-final defeat. They can't quite get to that final. So you would still have, remember, Olympia and Nacional, the two teams that have made finals, the two Paraguayan teams. So, you know, their they're kind of quest to become that third team to do it, I think, will not end, will not end uh, victoriously in this, in this case. I think uh, Libertad's gonna give up give up a fight. I think I think they're gonna play the the game of their lives just because it's on stake for these for these players. Maybe it could be the last chance even for some of them in their career to play a big game like this in the South American game. So I do think they're gonna give up a fight. I, I also I also share Ralph's thought on on the counter attack and you know the damage that this Brazilian team can do to you, especially Arthur, their their star. I mean, this is a player that. I mean, uh, European caliber. I mean, this guy's not going to be around here for uh, much longer. He's going to leave soon. Um, but I hope that maybe we can have penalties. I, I hope that Libertad can level it up somehow and maybe we can have penalties. But I do think that uh, Bragantino has a big chance of, of getting a couple of really good chances on the counterattack and that could uh, kill the, the series for Libertad and just leave them hopeless. It would be a... a, a a really sad end to a to a team that a lot of people really had high hopes about and but unfortunately it's that kind of that hump that you said Ralph that they just can't get over and you know maybe it's a mental thing maybe it's, it's something else but you know it's uh it's something that they have to really learn from heading into next year and then now moving into obviously we spoke at the beginning of the show about how we're heading towards the end of the year which typically means the end of championships looking into the clausura real quick we saw what a knee drop points for the first time this season, losing to Sol America, actually, literally 24 hours ago. So, uh, Ralph, I mean, I'll go to you on this one because, you know, we spoke about how, you know, Cerro Porteño also lost on the weekend as well. So we're kind of still in the same position that we were last time around, but with a five-point gap. Do we see a title race going on? Do we see something happening? Because... Like you had mentioned beforehand, we know what Huberto's um, teams are like when it comes to this point. Are we starting to see deja vu again? Which means that maybe, just maybe, Cerro Porteño have a chance. It's incredible that it does seem to happen to Guarani, doesn't it? The second half of the season begins to drop off. Just before we talk about Sol de America beating Guarani, so Luqueño beat Cerro before that. So Cerro felt they, they had missed their chance. In theory, Guarani are in a better position this week than they were last week because there's less games to play, so there's less chances for Cerro to make up those five points. But it does still keep you very close. They they just need one slip up Guarani, knowing that Cerro and Guarani play each other at the very end of the season. So there's still that, you know, there's still that faint possibility. But let's talk about the two teams at one. I mean, is Luqueño, I think, are actually equal points with Cerro and Sol de America are one behind or something like that. So they're fighting, you know, really high in this in this clausura, but they're actually fighting relegation because of the strange system that Paraguay has for 
for relegation, similar to some other countries in South America, which is it's a, it's an average, they call it the promedio. So it's taking your points from the last three seasons, uh, three years, I should say, rather than seasons. So because of Lucan and Sunday America have not been doing so well in those last two years, they're both fighting relegation. And for Luque particularly, it's a centenary year. This would be a disaster if they were to be relegated. They sacked their manager. They bought in for now the, uh, the very young uh, Baracayo Maciel, who's their, who's their like interim manager. And he's managed to, to pick up this great result against Cerro winning 1-0. Uh, he made the right substitution. I thought he brought on Aldo Vera towards the, the end of the second half. He's a very experienced midfielder, very good, technically good at keeping possession. And he was able to help break the lines as they managed to get across to Zlatan Borja, who's the, the big striker who used to actually play for Cerro Porteño and score the winner. So that's a really good result for, the, for them. They kept them Keeps them like just above, I suppose, uh, Sol de America and Sol are just above River Plate, who are also having quite a good clausura. So these relegation teams are really fighting. And, and for Sol de America, the, the man of the moment that the beat uh, Big Guarani and he took off his shirt and he did the Messi celebration, hanging up his shirt to the crowd, is Francisco da Costa, the Brazilian striker who he's called Chico who really I'd never heard of before he came to Paraguay, but he's had a great season. He began the, he began as a substitute, but kept scoring goals. So now he's a starter and he keeps scoring. So really good run for the Danzarin. Yeah, it's actually kind of been weird because we haven't had a striker uh, uh, being hot with the goals here in the Paraguayan league. Uh, the top scorer was actually a midfielder from Guarani. Uh, the, the team that's first. And then you look at Cerro Porteño, their strikers are not hot right now. You look at the other teams, the, the, the center forwards are not having a good tournament. I mean, goal-wise is not that high either. I mean, we're really seeing tough uh, games, especially because of the relegation fight that Ralph was talking about. That's why Luqueño, South America, River are having such a great tournament because they are obligated to have a great tournament they want to stay in the first division, especially because this year we only have 10 teams. So it's going to be even harder for them. It would actually be really weird to see one of these teams make it to the last uh, weeks of competition uh, and be in, in both tables, right? Being with the opportunity of being the champion and at the same time uh, looking at the relegation points. I mean, it would be a really weird situation, but that could actually happen in the Paraguayan game, especially in this clausura, because you're having a, a weird year. I mean, Libertad is, is down there. They're not fighting it. They were the champions in the apertura, but they have no chance in this clausura. Olympia is dead last still. Cerro Porteño is fighting it, but they don't look so tough right now. They look like they're still uh, they're still dealing with the players that they kind of lost uh, halfway through the year. Uh, so, uh, you know, it could be a tournament where you kind of see a surprise, especially if Guarani does not repeat what they did on the first round of games. They had it way too easy. In my eyes, they don't have that much depth in their roster right now. They usually use around 13 players, not much more than that. So if they stop winning, the Guarani is not only going to have to worry about Cerro Porteño, but they could start worrying about Luqueño, Sol de America, teams that are starting to catch up. Also, the title race could kind of get uh, tight in these in this last eight games. That that's what we have ahead of us. It's going to be very fascinating. I'm sure we're all going to be keeping our eyes on this 
important title race as we close off here another great episode of guayani vision uh, obviously for everyone thank you for listening and subscribing continue to do that continue to support paraguayan football in english for myself roberto rojas for fede perez maria Britos, and ralph hannah thank you so much for listening to another episode see you soon <laughs>